This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Good morning, The Political Insider. What does that really mean anyway? I suppose it means that this is a message from someone who is on the inside, meaning close to the center of everything that's important in politics, whether it's Michigan politics or national politics or international politics or, for that matter, local politics. There is an implication here that maybe anybody listening to this is not on the inside that they don't really understand what is happening when it comes to the decision-making by politicians and government that affects our daily lives. Therefore, they need to listen to this program because then they will be closer to the inside and begin to understand why and how political decisions are made and how those decisions affect everyone's daily lives. But let's Stop and think about that proposition. Is it really true? Is it possible that people, meaning you, you who are listening to this, are that uninformed? Are you really outside the political process? Or could you actually know as much or more about what's going on in politics and government as the so-called insiders know? And the answer is yes, for at least some of you because there is no absolute truth about the what or how things happen in government and politics or why. Everybody has some knowledge, some opinion, some feel for strategy and tactics, both the participants and the observers and listeners, and that includes you. And what the listeners and observers, including the news media, think has some effect on what actually happens in politics and government. And what actually happens in politics is not some secret thing. It's not magic that cannot be known or understood by everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean any citizen or voter who really wants to know or understand what's going on. All anyone has to do is look and listen. Know the facts about politics and government some of which may not seem very exciting, but all of which is essential to truly understanding what is going on. And folks, most of what I'm talking about here is hiding in plain sight. It's right in front of you. All you have to do is realize it's there and then do your due diligence and study it and learn it. You'll be amazed at how quickly you'll catch on to what is happening. And when I say hiding in plain sight, what do I mean? I mean, we're a government of laws, not of men and women. Of course, men and women write the laws. They make the laws. So shouldn't we know what these laws are? Of course. But you'd be amazed how many people don't know what the law actually says or what our state constitution here in Michigan actually says. If you know this basic information, a lot more will become immediately clear to you. And that's at least partly what this news hour should be like, will be like. 
You will learn as it goes along. I will learn. Everybody listening will learn. And in an informed electorate, meaning all of you, the listeners, the people who vote, will be in a far better position to understand what is happening on the inside where decisions are finally made. So let's get started. Let's get started by looking at what's going to be on the statewide ballot here in Michigan this year. And by the way, Michigan has the longest ballot of any state in the country, almost every election, particularly in presidential years. Now, this year is not a presidential year. It's a gubernatorial state officer election year, a non-presidential year, but we've still got an incredible list of races that we have to pay attention to. Let's start out at the top. And I think most people know this year we're going to be electing a new governor. The current governor, Rick Snyder, is term limited. He served two four-year terms. His term will end at the end of this year. Uh, we are then going to uh, elect the lieutenant governor running mate with Rick Snyder. Uh, we are going to elect an attorney general, and we are going to elect a secretary of state. All four of these offices are open this year, meaning the incumbents, like Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly, uh, Attorney General Bill Schuette, Secretary of State Ruth Johnson, they're all term limited, just like Rick Snyder. So the seats are open. We also have a U.S. Senate race this year. Uh, Debbie Stabenow will be running for her fourth six-year term in the U.S. Senate. She was elected for the first time in the year 2000. We are going to determine on August 7th in the primary who her Republican nominee opponent is going to be. There are two Republicans running right now uh, for the nomination, John James and Sandy Pensler. They will be on the August 7th primary ballot. And then we'll find out who Debbie Stabenow's opponent will be. These other offices, uh, U.S. representatives, that's Congress. Now, people use the term Congress, and they're usually thinking of the U.S. House of Representatives. 435 seats spread over the 50 states. Uh, the U.S. Senate uh, is kind of considered a separate body. It is a separate body, but uh, the U.S. Senate is actually as much a part of Congress as the U.S. House of Representatives is. So when you use the term Congress, you're really using a term that covers both the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. Uh, there are 14 U.S. representatives in Michigan uh, allocated to the state of Michigan out of the 435. They will all be on the ballot this year. There are going to be 11 incumbents and there are three open seats. We'll talk about that later. There are two state Supreme Court races this year. Uh, we've got Elizabeth Clement and Curtis Wilder, two incumbent Republicans on the state Supreme Court running for election to a full eight-year term on the state Supreme Court. They will be opposed by a couple of Democrats uh, and perhaps some splinter party candidates. But guess what? 
you will not be able to tell from looking at the ballot whether they're Republicans, Democrats, Libertarian, Green Party, natural law, whatever. It's a nonpartisan race, even though these people were nominated at party conventions. Uh, we also are going to have some 250 other judgeships elected this year in Michigan at the local level. I'm talking court of appeals. I'm talking circuit court, district court, probate court. Uh, they will all be on the ballot, either some of them in the August 7th primary or in the November general election. Our four educational boards are all going to be up for election this year. And when I say education boards, I'm talking about the State Board of Education. I'm talking about Wayne State University, Board of Governors. I'm talking about the University uh, of Michigan, Board of Regents. And I'm talking about the Michigan State University Board of Trustees. Those boards are all eight members. They serve eight-year staggered terms, meaning that every two years, two members of each one of those boards are selected. We are also going to elect all 110 members of the State House of Representatives meeting in Lansing beginning next January. We're going to elect all 38 state senators who are going to be meeting in Lansing beginning next January. We're going to be also electing 600 county commissioners, and we are going to be electing 1,450 school board members and even some library board members. There are ballot proposals, but we'll talk about those later. It's time to take a break, and I'll be back with you in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. And we are back with our first guest ever on The Political Insider. And he is John Rurink, the publisher of Michigan Information and Research Service Newsletter. And John, you know, I was just thinking in a couple of years, don't you guys have like a 60th birthday party coming up? Uh, actually, we do, yeah, because we uh, 2021 will be our 60th birthday party. We were formed in 1961, so it's been quite a while, huh? Right, because the purpose of MERS, and by the way, that's the acronym by which Michigan Information Research Service is usually known to everybody in Lansing, and it's a must-read publication, MERS, uh, ostensibly the reason it was formed in 1961 was to follow the constitutional convention. Uh, actually close. We were originally formed to track bills in the legislature because the lobbyists wanted to, uh, sit in on the, uh, proceedings of the constitutional convention, which were, were much more <laughs> sexy, uh, obviously than just the, the run of the mill bills moving through the legislature at the time. So yeah, we were developed to uh, actually list out every bill that was, uh, moved in the legislature uh, to track every amendment that was moved, that was added to those bills, so the lobbyists the next morning could see what they missed while they were uh, listening in on how our government's going to be structured <laughs> going forward. Well, in other words, it's kind of an indirect result of the Constitutional Convention. Exactly. Because, exactly, because the yeah. lobbyists couldn't be in two places at the same time. Unfortunately, they couldn't. <laughs> or fortunately for me, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Fortunately for MERS, we you guys have done a tremendous job. Uh, look, you are up on Mackinac Island. 
Uh, you've been up there, I guess, all this week, and uh, a lot has been going on, it seems, from reports we're getting, and there was a gubernatorial debate last night. Uh, how do you look at the overall event, um, the policy forum? This is the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce annual policy forum, which they hold on Mackinac Island every year at this time. And John, by the way, how many of these over the years do you think you've been to? Uh, we were talking about that on the drive up. I believe this is my twentieth because oh I, my it, gosh, Woo! I started going in nineteen ninety six, and I missed one when my niece uh, graduated. Uh, I wanted to be there for that, and I missed one when my father was ill. So, uh, um, so we wow. kind of uh, we've been. 20 out of 22, so that ain't bad, I guess. That's very good. You've got tremendous perspective. Well, let me just ask you a broad question. I mean, how did the one this week stack up uh, compared to all the other ones you've seen? Was there anything particularly noteworthy about it, different? Uh, what were the highlights? Just go ahead and say whatever you want. Absolutely. I think, I think probably we'll start with the highlights. I think the highlight was probably last night's debate. And one of the things that I was most interested in, in watching, uh, and we talked about it a little bit on our podcast, is how do you manage with 60 minutes, three moderators, and six candidates to get anything done? I mean, that's, that's not a whole lot of time. What does that come down to, three or four minutes a person, uh, when you kind of divide it all up? Right. Uh, but they actually did a really good, they did a really good job. They, they, they spent some time, I think, uh, thinking about how to do it. Uh, and the way they asked the questions, uh, they actually got into a lot of issues, a lot more issues than I thought they would. Uh, they kind of asked uh, the three Republicans to answer one question, and they went to the three Democrats, uh, and then they broke up the candidates into, into pairings. So, for example, uh, Bill Schuette and Gretchen Whitmer were the first pairing, and then, you know, Brian Kelly and then um, uh, Shreed Thanedar were the second pairing, and Colbeck and El- Abdul El-Sayed were the third pairing. And, the, and each candidate had a minute to respond uh, to each question, uh, and they actually kept them uh, disciplined, and they did, they did follow the rules. And then uh, you're, once you answered the person you were paired with or the group you were paired with, uh, got a 30-second rebuttal. So they did, a, they did a very nice job on that. I don't think there was any news that was made as far as, you know, confrontations or gaffes or uh, something that would stand out that would either push somebody forward or, or take someone down as far as, uh, as far as their prospects for the race. Uh, I don't think there was anything like that. But I thought it was, you know, it, was, you know, it, was, it gave exposure to the candidates. Uh, to an audience, many of whom had not seen them. So I think that was a pretty big success. Uh, as far as how it compares to past uh, Mackinac Public Policy Conferences, uh, it, it didn't have anything that was exceptionally memorable, I don't think. Uh, I think back to, you know, the, the one where Jennifer Granholm kind of emerged. Uh, she was, uh, when she was the Corporate Council of Detroit, uh, she kind of took the island by storm before she won the Democratic nomination and eventually uh, the Office of Attorney General. Uh, kind of led up to her her two her two year or two term. That was that was probably years twenty ago. years ago, right? Like nineteen ninety eight ago. But yeah, but sometimes these events, you know, it can really crystallize something that's happening in the political process. And, and, and there wasn't really anything that that sticks to, in my mind. Uh, I remember the one where Rick Snyder was uh, circulating. Uh, there was a, a, a Republican gubernatorial debate. I don't even think he participated in it. He was sort of the mystery candidate uh, that was circulating. Uh, we were trying to, I was trying to interview him. I never even got a word in edgewise because he wasn't taking interviews at the time. Shortly after that, he, he got real serious. Uh, that was the, the year before uh, the, the gubernatorial election. 
uh, cycle. So it would have been, uh, for example, 17 versus 18. You know, it was it was uh, nine versus 10. So. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't think there's anything spectacular, but it's always a good mingle event. There's, there's a huge concentration of people, a huge concentration and mingling of business and political. So it's always it's always an enjoyable event. There were supposedly 1,500 people approximately up there. Yeah, but I have a theory about that. There are, there are that many people <laughs> registered. <laughs> but, you know, I often wonder, is it, is it the agenda that makes this, this program so successful? Is it the mingling? Or is it the fact that you've got a reason for business uh, executives to bring their family up to Mackinac on a business expense? Is it all centered in the Grand Hotel, or do they have some spillover events down in some of the other hotels or in, like, Horns Bar or whatever on Main Street in Mackinac? All of the all of the events that are sort of in the official program that's coordinated by the Detroit Regional Chamber uh, are held up at the at the Grand Hotel. Uh, there are also a ton of events, um, parties and gatherings and meetings and, and dinners that take place um, all throughout the island, all the way from, you know, the Woods Restaurant way up the top, uh, part of the island away from the main drag, uh, to just about every bar, Horns Bar. I, I, I think there are several parties there this week. Uh, I know that uh, a group of lobbyists holds this thing called the Thang at the Stang, I believe it's called, uh, that that went off uh, on Wednesday night. Um so there's there's all sorts of different events and different organizations have different you know meals for different people and there's a lot of schmoozing a lot of uh, influence peddling going on to use the parlance of the it's probably not what they would what they would like to call it but it is <laughs> what it is <laughs> right right well let, let me ask you one uh, event that was a staple of past conferences up there was the so-called Big Four meeting. Uh, panel discussion that they would have involving the Wayne County, Macomb, and Oakland County executives and the mayor of Detroit. And in recent years, of course, that means Brooks Patterson in Oakland County, Mark Hackle in Macomb County, Warren Evans in Wayne County, and Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. Now, this year, from what I understand, they just didn't have the panel. For one thing, Patterson was not there. Uh, no, didn't no. show up yeah, at all. So w- were yeah. people bummed out about that? Did they really miss that? I, I didn't hear a lot of griping, uh, but you got to remember a lot of the folks that I talked to are, are, are fellow long-term sort of attendees. And, and, and the big four thing, I think it kind of run its course for a while. It probably needs a, a year or two rest uh, before they kind of reemerge. Right. Uh, hold that. After hold that. Replaces yeah. Hold that thought, John. We're going to take a short break. If you can stick around, we'll pick it up afterwards. Is that okay? Absolutely. You're listening to the political insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. John Rorick, before you were rudely interrupted by me to take a break, sorry about that, uh, you were talking about uh, the absence of the big four panel discussion up there, and I think you were saying at the end, you think maybe that had kind of run its course, and people were a little bit, you know, blasé and bored with the whole idea of a big four, and it wasn't really missed that much. Yeah, I think that's you know I think that's part of it. And, you know, and plus Brooks wasn't able to attend. He's in a you know, he's wheelchair bound now, following an accident. Uh, and the personalities uh, I think have changed. I think there was a time you know when there was an awful lot of chemistry uh, uh, between Hackle and, and Patterson and 
uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, and, and there was a lot of gamesmanship that went on uh, uh, between, particularly between Brooks and, and Kwame, that really made it gave it a lot of personality, a lot of flair. I don't think that's quite there as much anymore. Uh, I think it's something I wouldn't be surprised if they bring it back in a couple of years after uh, uh, whoever replaces uh, uh, Brooks in, in Oakland County. Uh, I think that's probably a good thing to come back with uh, once you kind of got a new mix of personalities. Well, um, one th- item of discussion and debate, w- at least expected to be this year, and it certainly has been in the past, is mass transit down in Detroit. And, of course, Patterson not only wasn't there, but he's come out with very strong statements in the last uh, couple of months uh, saying, you know, this is dead as far as Oakland County's participation is concerned. And surprisingly, Mark Hackle, uh, the Macomb County executive, has come out with very definitive rejections of uh, the MTA as well. Now, he was up there, supposedly, with these two people adamantly opposed to mass transit and Hackle saying we should just concentrate on SMART, S-M-A-R-T, which is Mm -hmm. another sort of uh, transit in Metro Detroit, did that kind of take the wind out of the sails of discussion about mass transit, or was it still hotly debated up there? It was brought up a lot by some of the keynote speakers, but it it kind of felt like there was nothing there. Uh, There was a panel discussion about uh, about the Regional Transit Authority uh, and the prospects of of doing something yet this year, Uh, and I listened to it, and, and, and I think you know, the consensus I got is they don't want to give up the ghost yet, but they sort of realized that, uh, that the patient's pulse is kind of thready and uh, there's, not much, there's not much hope there that they're going to be able to get the votes on that authority to actually move it forward uh, without uh, a significant change of mind on both these gentlemen's part. So, uh, it, you know, it is a regional authority. It, it, they have to have a certain, I can't remember exactly how the vote breakout works, but they have to have the participation of a, a significant uh, number of the representatives of every uh, municipality and, and every uh, not municipality but every county. Uh, so uh, yeah, it did feel it did feel kind of like it was uh, it was it took the wind out of the sails of the RTA. What about uh, John Boehner, uh former Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, made an appearance? Did you sit in uh, on he that? Was, he was a delight. He was he was he was he was he was great to watch. Uh, it was it was kind of engaging. He, he, he as you know, is very blunt and very upfront, uh, and he was uh, he, he had a lot of great uh, stories to tell. Uh, he uh, he retold this whole uh, exchange with the Pope, of course, and uh, uh, his, he talked about his decision uh, uh, to leave, and, and 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 apparently the apparently President Obama was trying to convince him to stay, and, um, uh, and unsuccessfully, but. Uh, he was outlining all the things they had yet to do, the debt ceiling and all this other legislative material that they wanted to get passed, and he needed Boehner. And he finally turned to Boehner and said, he said, Speaker Boehner, I'm going to miss you. And I guess the Speaker turned to him and said, yes, you are. But, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Boehner's turned into a kind of Rodney Dangerfield of the, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what, cocktail circuit. He was sitting there, I think, with a Bloody Mary. And, of course, yep. he's known as yep. a smoker, and he's unapologetic about it. He probably wasn't smoking up there. But uh, in any event, he's uh, probably enjoying life a lot more than during his uh, tumultuous tenure as Speaker of the House. 
Uh, I suspect so. I, I'd heard he even stayed around on the island last night and participated in some of the festivities <laughs> at the, the Detroit Auto Dealers Association. He probably all. didn't want to leave. He said it can't know, get I any better than this. this kind of gig. <laughs> well, one one thing about these conferences is I honestly get the feeling, John, over the years, the Detroit Chamber takes itself maybe a little too seriously in terms of the impact that they think what goes on up there is going to have on state policy. I mean, look, you have described very well what's really important up there, and that is a lot of the schmoozing going on and the behind-the-scenes meetings and uh, relationships uh, maybe being developed or repaired. Uh, but the chamber always makes it sound like um, they expect one or two or three uh, key issue objectives uh, are going to be met by the attendees agreed upon. There's going to be a consensus and everybody's going to come roaring out of this conference and descend upon Lansing and snap their fingers and the legislature and the governor are going to hop to and things are going to happen. And I got to tell you, John, it never happens. I mean, <laughs> nothing, nothing ever uh, results from what they talk well, about. And I'm wondering what, what is the feeling? Does they, have they finally realized, you know, maybe we're not as influential as we think we are. No, I don't think they've realized that yet. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right. No, I, I saw I give it a shot anyway. <laughs> no, I'm sure they're, they're going to come out with their, their objectives and then what they want to get done and they'll, they'll, they'll measure it and they'll, they'll hear about it again next year. But, you know, as somebody who made their, their way in this town and as, a, as a spokesperson for a business group, uh, it, it's kind of general practice. You sort of tell your members all the great things you did, and, and they may only be things you participated in. But <laughs> Right, right. Absolutely. Uh, anything else up there at the conference that you think was noteworthy? Uh, what about the presence of the candidates for governor uh, and or, for that matter, U.S. Senate? Was Debbie Stabenow there? And what about the two Republicans running for the Senate? Were they there? Debbie Stabenow was here. I did not see Sandy Pensler or uh, John James, uh, but I did see uh, uh, Stabenow roll briefly. Um, uh, Gary Peters actually was much more visible even than, than, than uh, Debbie Stabenow was. Uh, participated in at least one of the panels, if I recall, and was around and available and accessible. Uh, the gubernatorial candidates were all pretty accessible. I think I saw Gretchen Whitmer uh, more than I saw uh, any of the rest. I did bump into uh, Attorney General Shudi. Uh, Shri Tanadar, um, uh, Abdul, uh, real briefly. Um, so uh, they were they were around and they were circulating. So how about you know, state was, legislators? Uh, w well, we didn't have a lot of those until Thursday. They kind of all showed up in mass on Thursday, and that's uh, been interesting watching sort of the dance uh, going on between uh, Senate Majority Leader Mikoff and, and Speaker Tom Leonard over this Tuesday marijuana deadline. Uh, you know, that the, the Senate wants to move on, on, on passing uh, recreational legalization uh, so they have a, an easier way, an easier road to amending it in the future, and the Speaker doesn't seem to want to go down that path at all. So there's okay. a lot of behind-the-scenes rhetorical slapping going on. Right. Well, now, uh, in your personal situation, the conference, is it still ongoing right now, even as we speak, or is it officially over? Um, and they have... They have, I, I, actually, I actually call these kind of, I, I refer to these as content appetizers. They have these really 15-minute uh, little debate issue discussion things in the parlor right now. 
Uh, and I think they're just about wrapping those up probably right about now. I think they were down to the last one when we got on the phone, so they might just be concluding right now. And you are headed off on your boat. As I understand, you got a boat up there, don't you? I brought my boat over, yes. We keep it on Drummond Islands, which is only about an hour and a half boat ride. Uh, but this year when we went to make our reservations, we, we didn't move fast enough, and we got to calling, and we found out that there were very few rooms available. Uh, actually, we didn't find any for a while, so I, you know, we decided, what the, what the heck, let's, let's pay $54 a night for a boat slip and drive the boat over here. No. Uh, we, I think we have, I think we have a better view than any of the other attendees at this conference. Well, that's really interesting. You stayed on your own boat, moored there yeah. in the harbor. Wow, that's yep. great. And then from here, you're going to Drummond, huh? Yep, going to go back, back to Drummond. Wow. Well, listen, uh, John Roaring, we really appreciate your being on uh, two segments of this program and giving us a tremendous report from the Mackinac Island, uh, uh, Detroit. Greater Detroit Chamber of Commerce uh, Policy Conference. Thank you so much. Anytime, Bill. Anytime. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We're back, folks. For 10 more minutes, uh, we have another special guest. He is Rick Luda, the managing editor and state capital bureau chief for Michigan Public Radio, a longtime state capital observer. Uh, Rick Pluta, thank you for being with us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Bill. And as I uh, understand it, uh, you're up at the Grand Hotel right now on Mackinac Island where you've been all week. Uh, yep, I'm actually sitting on the porch looking at the Straits of Mackinac and the uh, bridge as we speak. Oh, you lucky dog. Look, how many of these <laughs> have you been to over the years? Oh, goodness, Bill, I've, I've, I've stopped counting, but, uh, you know, probably most of them for the 30 years that I've been covering uh, politics in Michigan. Okay, is, does this one stand out in any way, shape, or form from the others? Anything different about it? Well, I think probably... Um, the big thing was the domination of gubernatorial politics that uh, Rick Snyder uh, gave, you know, basically his farewell address to this group. And even though, you know, that, that the Michigan business community hasn't always been thrilled with everything that Rick Snyder has done, by and large, they have, um, they have liked him and they have embraced him, you know, that he comes out of the business world, that he's not sympathetic to this group. He is one of them. And the people at this conference know that whoever the next governor of Michigan is, whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, or whatever, that they're just not going to have the same simpatico with that person that they have with the current governor. And I, I think that was kind of uh, hanging over, uh, over uh, this convention. The gubernatorial candidates uh, up there, I, all six, uh, three Democrats, three Republicans, mm. they were there, right? Were they there pretty much the whole week, or did they just come up for the debate, or was there a difference between the amount of time that each one spent? You know, this is, as, as you're very well aware, Bill, that uh, this is kind of a command performance for statewide political candidates in Michigan. And uh, I think that was evidence by the fact that most of the candidates uh, were here for um, 
most or all of this, per, uh, you know, all of this particular conference, you know, leading up to the uh, debate of the six candidates uh, last night. They probably had little individual receptions and stuff going on, right? Uh, yeah, there were, I, I know that there were uh, um, at least some fundraisers uh, up here, some of them kind of, you know, built around the convention. Gretchen Whitmer, the um, former Senate Democratic leader, actually had one where uh, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, you know, sort of introduced her as the uh, victor after the uh, after the debate was over. And, you know, other candidates had similar things, uh, you know, going on either before or afterwards. And, of course, it's also a chance to, you know, Handshake with uh, individual donors uh, on the porch in the lobby of the Grand Hotel, where the where the conference takes place. Right, you mentioned the debate, and I gather probably that was the highlight of the conference. Is that your opinion? And how did you think uh, that went? I would I would say that it was the highlight of the conference. It's what people were looking forward to and what they were talking about afterwards. Um, I, I and as far as the debate itself. Um, you know, there were there were moments, but there was really no, you know, breakout moment, which is sort of, you know, what you hope for, both as someone covering it, but also, you know, as a candidate. And as you're well aware, you know, candidates don't really win debates as much as they either survive them or they don't. And I don't think there were any knockout punches, you know, landed that's going to destroy anyone's chances. But I don't know that anyone necessarily broke away either. It was kind of a strange format, right? Uh, where you have three moderators, six candidates, and they had pairings of candidates kind of responding to each other, sometimes a Republican and a Republican, sometimes a Republican and a Democrat. Yeah, um, Detroit Public Television um, made the uh, decision, and it was probably, you know, with that many candidates, it's just, you know, hard to figure out exactly the right thing to do. So they made the decision that if they were going to get through all the questions, that they couldn't pose it and then have all six candidates run through it. Now, they did ask, um, you know, the same questions about um, education and uh, taxes to different pairings of candidates at different times. So sometimes, you know, a, a, a different pair got the, uh, you know, got the same question. But, uh, yeah, it was um, an unusual format. And actually, I was, I was surprised at how much they were able to, uh, you know, get into it, uh, uh, you know, considering all the time constraints. What about the absence of the so-called Big Four panel discussion that's been such a staple of past conferences where you've got the Oakland County Executive uh, for the last 30 years has been Brooks Patterson. You've got Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle. You've got Wayne County Executive Warren Evans. And you've got Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. Before them, people like Kwame Kilpatrick, Coleman Young. This year, for the first time, honestly, uh, you know, in decades, I think, they didn't have a big four-panel discussion. Did people miss that? Were they bummed out that there wasn't one? I, 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 I hate to report that I have not heard anyone say that they miss it, although it <laughs> was, you know, remarked on. Now, Brooks Patterson didn't even, you know, come up, but, you know, he's got mobility issues. He's still in a uh, wheelchair, and... Uh, you know, at this point, you know, you've, you've read the reports just like I have that, uh, you know, Mike Duggan has had some harsh things to say about, 
about Brooks and uh, Brooks Patterson has had some harsh things to say about Mike Duggan. Um, just before this happened, um, Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle uh, declared a you know a, a regional transit proposal you know dead, and a lot of the people up here are are you know their ambition is to create a regional transit system for. Uh, Metro Detroit, and so well. What about you know, that? I mean, the fact that Hackle has thrown cold water on it, and Patterson, even though he wasn't there, he's against it too. I mean, these people right. must be really discouraged. They are. Well, you know what? It's it's kind of funny that um, you know regional transit discussions at uh, the Mackinac Conference are a lot like second marriages: the triumph of hope <laughs> over experience. <laughs> well, what about John Boehner? Uh, did you encounter um, him with uh, maybe a Bloody Mary and a cigarette <laughs> on the side, uh, cracking wise up there? Uh, I did not have a chance to uh, have a Bloody Mary with uh, John Boehner, <laughs> unlike the uh, host of the event, uh, Devin Skillian, who uh, showed up, uh, you know, showed up with them. Um, he was, you know, and he was interesting. He was engaging. Um, probably the most interesting thing he said, and was, I think it was the one that sort of made everyone go, huh, was... He said the Republican Party is no more. There is no more Republican Party, that there is just the Donald Trump Party. And then he said the Republican Party is off taking a nap somewhere. Right, Although right. he then, after that, sort of followed up and said that, you know, with the exception really of trade and tariffs, most Republicans don't have problems with most of what Donald Trump is uh, is doing, that they don't have, you know, many reasons to be unhappy with them. So, you know, from that, I basically surmised that, you know, what he was saying, though, is that rather than the party coalescing around issues at this point, um, your Republican bona fides are uh, measured by your loyalty to the president. Were there many state legislators up there? Did you have a chance to talk to any of them? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there are, there are a lot of state legislators and uh, members of Congress. And, you know, of course, I interacted with them. I mean, one of the reasons that I have to come to this conference is because the state capital more or less decamps for uh, Mackinac Island, uh, you know, at, at, at this time every year. And so, you know, we got to uh, ask the leaders about the uh, prevailing wage ban that, uh, as of this morning, is uh, headed their way, and the Republicans think they have the uh, votes to adopt it, which would, uh, you know, basically, you know, culminate, uh, as you're well aware, a multi-generational fight over that issue. Right, absolutely. What about recreational marijuana? Was there any talk about uh, actually trying to enact the initiative petition rather than allow it to go to the ballot for a vote? Arlen Meekoff and the Senate Republicans have not entirely given up on that, despite the fact that the House leadership says they just don't have the votes and they certainly don't have the interest. Um, but there was actually um, a special session uh scheduled Monday for the Senate to vote on it, which um, Arlen Meekoff canceled because uh, there's no evidence that the House is ready to vote. But I'm told that he is still working the question of uh, in, in hopes of making some kind of a breakthrough. Were there but any... it would have to be by Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. R Rick Plute, I really appreciate your doing this, giving us that very cogent report. Rick Pluta from Michigan Public Radio, thank you so much for being our guest. A pleasure, Bill. 
folks, believe it or not, the hour is over. We got to cut it short. I wish we could keep going. There were things I wanted to talk about. If you've got any questions or comments on what you heard today, bill at theballengerreport.com. That's the way to reach me. Bill at T-H-E-B-A-L-L-E-N-G-E-R report, R-E-P-O-R-T, all one word, theballengerreport.com. Let me hear from you by email and we'll see you next week.